sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, here we are. It's Christmas Eve, and it's a full NFL Sunday on a Saturday, plus Sunday. <laughs> Bottom line, we're going to break down the NFL with Moneyline Matt Koalas. Moneyline Matt are going to join us on today's program. But before we get into that, before we get into breaking down what this card is going to look like and how we approach late season NFL betting. We got to talk about what happened this past weekend in the NFL because there will be beats. All right. You know that going in, but there were some brutal beats in bunches this past weekend. It started with the first game on Saturday ended with the last game on Monday night football. And in between there were some real doozies. It started with the Indianapolis Colts blowing a 33 to nothing lead. The biggest comeback in pro football history. Now, if you had the Colts plus the points, you still got there at plus three and a half. Hopefully, you didn't take the worst of the number. But if you had the Colts on the money line and you had a 33 to nothing lead at halftime, knowing that the biggest comeback in NFL history was a 32 point comeback, it happened once in the postseason <laughs> 30 years ago. You probably felt pretty good about your ticket. Well, <laughs> not when Minnesota rallies back and scores 36 unanswered. Yeah, or no. Yeah, biggest comeback, again, in the history of pro football. If you're on the wrong side of that and you've got a Colts money line ticket in your pocket, what do you do? Breathe. <laughs> That's all. Just breathe. All right? It can happen. It's not going to happen very often. But in the world of sports betting, Crazy things. <laughs> and 33 nothing lead in the NFL had been the biggest blown lead ever. But there'll be a bigger one someday. Probably. <laughs> Bottom line, it didn't be on the money line. It was as bad as it gets. What about if you had Tom Brady and the Bucks last week? Brady, 89-0 in his career with a 17-point halftime lead at home. Not only didn't they win, they didn't even cover they got smacked around in the second half. That 89-0 with a 17-point halftime lead at home for Tom Brady is now 89-1. So once every 90 times, Brady will blow a 17-point halftime lead at home. And again, if you watch the first half of that game versus the second half, completely different looking, just like Indy, Minnesota. You're like, was this the same game I was watching a half hour ago? Yeah, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati was just like that, which is one of the reasons why in-game betting can be such a strong opportunity Something that wasn't around when I was first learning how to bet the NFL in the modern era. You can take advantage of these comebacks with some in-game wagers. So we have Indy blowing the lead. We have Tom Brady, uh, 89-0 with a 17-point halftime. And those weren't even the two worst ones necessarily. Well, the Colts is pretty bad. The New England final play meltdown and the loss to Las Vegas is pretty bad. Look, <laughs> It's the first time since 1978 that a team won a game on a final play fumble recovery. And to see a Bill Belichick coach team make mistakes like that, everybody that had the ball on that final nightmarish play 
for Patriots backers. Every single guy that had it made a mistake. And that's on Belichick. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you run the football. Stevenson runs the football and runs it downfield and then decides to play pitch to Myers. He's not supposed to do that. Myers gets the ball, doesn't know what to do with it. What's he? Oh, hey, uh, let's chuck it around. And then throwing it, you know, running backwards and then throwing it to the quarterback another 15 yards back when the only guy between him and the quarterback can run the quarterback over. And then, oh, my God, I saw some of the comments on this, the commentary where they were blaming <laughs> Mac Jones for not making the tackle when he got absolutely run over. That's not his job. <laughs> All right. That's on Myers. That said, Mac Jones could have done something to try to get that football, at least get it on the ground. Everybody to blame, and you don't normally see that from a Bill Belichick coach team. If you had New England, that was pretty brutal. And then, of course, Monday night. Let's not forget Monday night. We already had the first time since 1978 that a team won in the first play fumble, uh, final play fumble recovery. We have Brady, Brady 89 at home uh, with a 17-point halftime lead. We have the biggest comeback in professional football history. So I guess the Monday night one wasn't as bad in comparison. But it was still brutal if you had the over, and the over wasn't the right side. All right. Several of these games, they weren't the right sides. And when you talk about the real bad beats, that's where you have a right side the whole way, and then all of a sudden it goes wrong right at the end. All right. This was more of a coin flip that went bad. But if you had the over, <laughs> all right, you convert on the fourth down at the end of the game. All right. You get to what? About the one-inch line, but you don't get in. And then not one knee, not two knees, three knees. <laughs> the game stays under the total. Doesn't go over. Stays under three knees at the one-yard line. What a way to close out your week. So, if you had Indy, and you had Tampa, and you had New England, and then you had the over on Monday night, maybe take a couple of days off. Because <laughs> those are four tough, tough losses all in the same week. There will be beats. And, of course, every bad beat, we always talk about the bad beats, it's a lucky win somewhere else. Someone at Minnesota Moneyline. Someone at Cincinnati. Someone at Vegas. And lots of people at the under on Monday night. So one man's bad beat is another man's lucky win. Hopefully you'll get more lucky wins than bad beats in the NFL this week. Moneyline Matt Koalas coming up next. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ho, ho, ho. It's Christmas time here on the SportsGrid Radio Network. Channel 159, Sirius XM. And, of course, I'm Teddy Covers. This is Cover It with Teddy Covers and today's guest, Moneyline Matt. Matt Koalas. Matt, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you doing today? Hey, Teddy. Thanks for having me once again. It's uh, great to be a repeat guest on the show. Can even talk about some of the stuff we went over earlier in the season. And uh, just excited to talk with you and close this season up strong. Sure, sure. And obviously Christmas weekend, everybody out there, uh, I wish you nothing but the best this holiday weekend, I'm sure. Matt feels the same way. and uh, Yeah, you're officially a regular now on Cover It with Teddy Covers. This is the third time we've had you on this football season. The first two times, we're good enough to bring you back again. <laughs> Tell me about your NFL season so far. What's gone right? And what are you going to work on for next year when it comes to NFL prep? 
uh, give you a little recap of some of the things you've done well and some of the things that you hope will improve in the future. Yeah, Teddy. So one thing this season, it's de- I've definitely had my ups and downs. You know, you're picking up on trends as the season progresses. And really, if I'm being honest, around week 12, I truly hit my stride. I am hitting around 56% on the season, but the last 30 days, I'm 30, 16, and 1, uh, up 44 units, hitting at around a 65% rate. So I think I have a really good handle on what's going on in the NFL right now. And, you know, one thing for me in particular, one thing I have definitely learned is honing in on my strongest plays and not forcing things outside of that. You know, there's been plenty of times, you know, I kind of like to call myself uh, the rookie here over at Sports Memo and Wager Talk. And there's been plenty of times where, you know, I'm trying to make a name for myself within the industry and probably pressing a little too hard. I'll go into the night 5-0 and and I'll see a Sunday night football game. And I'll be like, oh, you know what? Maybe I really do like the Jets here. And more often than not, that does not work out. So I really have learned a lot this season already. And that's something that going into next year, I am definitely, definitely going to hone in on and really focus on my most confident plays going forward. Yeah, there's a lot of times, yeah, you're, you're sure not alone in that regard. You know, the action plays are the one that gets us all uh, into trouble. You, yeah. me, if you've been doing this for two years, if you've been doing this for two weeks, if you've been doing this for 30 years, yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, let's have a little action on this. Uh, you're, you <laughs> hope, uh, you're hoping those games will go 50-50. Uh, oftentimes they don't. Any teams mm-hmm. or coaches that stand out to you betting-wise, the guys that you love, guys that you hate, someone that uh, uh, you know, you're going to remember something about for the future, team-wise, coach-wise, what stands out to you when you think about the 2022 NFL season? Well, you know, Teddy, last time I was on the show, we did talk about Nathaniel Hackett and how I think he's pretty brutal as a coach. But in this spot, I got to focus on my homer pick here, and yeah, It's the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, and for the right reason, you know. This Detroit Lions team is now 7-7 and on the season, and this is a team that has also covered around six, seven games in a row. And they're playing good football at the right time. Uh, I think if it wasn't for Nick Sirianni, Dan Campbell would actually be the frontrunner for head coach of the year. But this is also a Lions team that was one in six at one point in the season. They turned it around going seven, seven and seven, beating teams like the Minnesota Vikings in spots where, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, the, the Vikings were undervalued and the bike or the Lions still came out, got that job done. And I think Dan Campbell has really shown how this team is bought into what he's selling. You know, they play inspired football. We've seen this defense go from being one of the worst throughout the entire NFL to steadily improving week in, week out, and somewhat holding some of these offenses who are scoring, you know, 20, 30 points every single week and holding them down. So for me, I'm really impressed with Dan Campbell and this Detroit Lions team. You know, when you're one and six, it's pretty easy to pack it in and start focusing on the next season. Uh, The players come out not really playing inspired football, but that never happened with the Detroit Lions. And I think Dan Campbell really has helped to build a culture around this team. And I think when you watch, you know, teams like the Denver Broncos, you don't see anything like that. So for me, again, I got to go back to Dan Campbell. And I think, again, if it wasn't for Nick Sirianni and this crazy season that the Eagles are having, that he would be the head coach of the year. I think there is still an, an outside chance for him to get it. You know, if the Lions go on a run, say they win these last three games, make the playoffs. But, you know, again, it's got to be the Lions for me. 
And from a point spread perspective, Dan Campbell, certainly a guy that has to stand out. 11 and 6 ATS last year, 10 and 4 ATS so far this season. That's 21 and 10 in his head coaching mm-hmm. career. 67% for Detroit. And I'll tell you what, I have a season win total on the Lions over six and a half. Yes, sir. <laughs> I did not feel good about that wager at any point. <laughs> at any point. Uh, you know, again, when when you know when your team starts off one and six, you know, you know, you already write it off as a loser. And there it is. You're not feeling good. So well hey, take one it. thing I will uh one thing I will say, Teddy, is on the last episode when I when I was on here, you even said there's a lot of season left. You've seen teams turn it around like that before and the Lions did. Sure. Well now there's not a lot of season left. There's only a couple of weeks yeah. left in the NFL campaign. And at this stage of the season, it's kind of hard to ask these questions at this portion of the campaign, but mm-hmm. I still feel like it's a worthy endeavor. You know, is there a bet on team down the stretch? A team that's undervalued right now in the betting marketplace that stands out to you? A team, if you back them every week for the rest of the regular season, you're more likely to make money than to lose money. Does that exist at this late stage of the season? Yeah, I still think it does, and I think in certain situations, I mean, you obviously have to pay attention and look for teams trending up at the right time. And this is one that I actually I think might surprise some people, but I actually think the Cleveland Browns are a bet on it team right now at this point in the season. You know, the, the Browns are currently 6-8 and eight on the season. They're still in the, play, uh, the bubble of the playoff picture. A lot does need to happen, but regardless of that picture, I still think this is a bet on it team because – this is a team that's going to want to uh, generate chemistry with Deshaun Watson and his skilled positions going forward, like Amari Cooper, like Donovan Peoples-Jones. And, you know, it's pretty obvious that Deshaun Watson has been struggling at this point in the season. You know, he is their quarterback going future. They paid him a shit ton of money. So they need to figure this out, and they definitely want to get some chemistry going forward. You know, this weekend, for instance, the Browns are a minus two and a half home favorite against a New Orleans Saints team. And, you know, on a neutral field, that's saying that the Saints are favored. So for me, I just don't see that being right at this point in time. This Browns defense has been playing very, very good on top of that, holding teams to under 20 points in three out of four games. They have a very good rushing attack as well. And on top of that, their last three games are going to be outdoors which I believe benefits the Cleveland Browns. I think the Cleveland Browns are a team made for outdoors. Obviously, they play in Cleveland. And they have guys like Nick Chubb behind Deshaun Watson. They have guys like Kareem Hunt. And again, I think they want to uh, generate that chemistry with Deshaun Watson. So even if they don't make the playoffs, they have started to get things going as an offense. You know, they've started to see things click between Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper in particular. And even someone like Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, he is a very talented young wideout out of Michigan. And he's someone who is starting to get better and better, making strides as a wide receiver. And I think they'd like to see some chemistry there as well. So for me, I'm actually looking to this Cleveland Browns team. And I think that might surprise some people, but it's a team I'm looking to bet on going forward. Does Stefanski keep his job if Cleveland loses out? If they finish six and eleven, you know, or seven and ten? If you you lose out, I think he's gone. Yeah. What what, what if they win one? If they go seven and ten? Oh man! Honestly, he could have an argument just for the fact that you know Deshaun Watson didn't come until week eleven. But a lot of you know a lot of organizations nowadays just kind of want a fresh start sometimes. So it wouldn't surprise me at all, you know, if they if they 
if they end the season on a negative or yeah, end the season on a negative note and there's not a lot of chemistry, they didn't see things generated, uh, I definitely think Stefanski could get let go. Yeah, in my opinion, if, uh, not that Stefanski hasn't had a bright opportunity there, but Stefanski hasn't had the right opportunity there. If they fire him after this season, in my mind, that's an egregious mistake to start over when you're already paying Deshaun Watson. When we come back, we're going to talk about over teams, under teams, bet against teams, and yeah, we'll break down some games with Moneyline Matt. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever you celebrate, we hope you celebrate it with us right here. On the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius XM Channel 159. We're talking today with Moneyline Matt Koalas. We're breaking down the world of NFL betting, late season action. And you talked about Cleveland before the break as a team that offers some potential as a bet on team down the stretch. Is there a team you're looking to bet against down the stretch? A team you think has already checked out a little bit on their coach and their season. Who's going to close out the campaign? with a bunch of point spread losses. Matt? Yeah, so for this one, it does kind of contradict what I said a little bit before, but this is the Carolina Panthers for me. And, you know, I say it's contradictive somewhat just because they are in the playoff hunt at this point in time. You know, they're 5-9 and nine on the season, tied in second place for the NFC South. But I just don't think it benefits this Carolina Panthers team to go on a run and potentially make the playoffs. You know, at quarterback for the Panthers, they have played Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold and PJ Walker and as we know in the NFL if you don't have a quarterback you basically have nothing so I personally think the Carolina Panthers are trying to pack this in you know we saw them trade away Christian McCaffrey we saw them talk about trading DJ Moore and they tried to uh, even get a nice deal for him because this is a team looking to add some pieces and somewhat rebuild going forward in the quarterback position in particular. You know, there are a lot of top prospects coming into this draft, and I think the prospects that the Carolina Panthers would love to get their hands on. You know, the Panthers are 3-3 three and three against the spread uh, on the road this season, and they're finishing this campaign with two road games. So because of that, the Carolina Panthers, for me, are a team that I'm definitely looking to fade. You know, earlier in the season, too, we saw them give up on their coach. Their defense has held them in a lot of games. And I just don't really see that to end this season. You know, they're playing the Detroit Lions this weekend, a team playing inspired football at this point in time. And if we see the Carolina Carolina Panthers go out and lay an egg this weekend, I think it's going to continue. So that's interesting to me because I look at Carolina in a very different light. As an organization, they probably don't want wins. But you have an interim head coach who's fighting for the real job, and Steve Wilkes. And they've certainly responded to his leadership, and they've won for him. What are they, three and two in their last five games? And from a point spread perspective, I've got them at, uh, what, six and two ATS last eight. And Carolina has some of the factors that I like late season. All right, the quarterback plays dismal, has been all year. What do I want at this time of year? I want a team that can run and that can stop the run. And Carolina's defense has been pretty good, and their running game has been pretty good. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Carolina overachieve. 
we're allowed to have different opinions once in a while. If we all had the same opinion, <laughs> we'd all be betting on the same teams every week, and there'd be no betting marketplace whatsoever. So you think Carolina's bet against? I'm not so sure about that. And frankly, I'm not betting against it this week. So uh, okay. I hope you're right. <laughs> uh, let's talk totals uh, for a few minutes. Over teams so far in the NFL campaign. And look, when we talk about over teams versus under teams, you know, over teams this year, let's see who stands out. The Detroit at 9-5 and five mm-hmm. to the over. Philly at 9-5 and five to the over. Uh, the two, uh, and then uh, Minnesota at 9-5 and five to the over. Those are the strongest over teams in the league. Chicago, another team also, 9-5 and five to the over. Nobody's gone 10-4 and four to the over so far. The markets have kept them uh, in the, yeah, we got most of them, but not all of them range. Anyone stand out to you as being a likely over team over the last couple of weeks of the season? Who's going to score points and give up points in bunches? Yeah, so for me, I actually have two teams here, but I'm going to focus on one, and it's the L.A. Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we're going to focus on the Chargers here. Uh, the Chargers are currently 6-8 and eight to the under this season, and I like them to hit the over to end, to end the season for a couple reasons here. You know, the Chargers are currently 8-6, and six, They're poised to make a playoff push at this point in time. And one reason that I really do like them is because of the injuries that they had early on in the season. They were scraping out a lot of games, and they were missing some of their key guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. You know, both of those guys missed significant time at different points of this season, and now they're both back together with Justin Herbert, with Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett, all those guys going forward. And a lot of the time what that does is when your second unit guys can come in, get reps, get experience, down the stretch it helps to improve the entire team. So for me, I really do think this Chargers team is going to be a good over team going forward. And on the other hand, you look at this Chargers defense. This is a defense that has given up 25-plus points in six games this season. So it's not like they're always holding a ton of opponents down. And another thing that I look for at this point in the season is the weather. You know, the, uh, the L.A. Chargers are obviously going to be in warm weather in L.A., uh, they're playing in a dome this weekend in Indianapolis, so that's another good opportunity. Uh, again, no outside factors from the weather. So for me, I'm really looking at the Chargers. They do end the season with the Denver Broncos, who, as we know, that's a big under team. But at this point in the time, I'm sure the books are correcting with the Broncos. And again, this Chargers team has their full skill positions back. You know, guys like Keenan Allen, who have a full route tree, a uh, guy, guy who sits down in the zones, who's very good at stuff like that. And then you got someone like Mike Williams, who's very good at stretching the field, going up and getting the football, pinpointing it. And, you know, Austin Eckler coming out of that backfield as well. They're definitely a very dangerous team. And I think they're a team that's going to score a good amount of points going forward to end this season. Chargers as an over team and Jaguars as an over team. Give me a, a minute or two why you like, uh, give me a couple sentences why you like the Jags as an over team down the stretch. So for the Jaguars, a lot of it for me just has to do with Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is really coming into his own as a quarterback in this league. You're seeing the improvement of guys like Zay Jones, guys like Christian Kirk out of that slot position as well. And then even someone like Travis Etienne coming out of the backfield, playing very, very good. And like I said before, I like to target teams 
where they're generally going to be playing in warmer weather. Obviously, Jacksonville is in Florida. Uh, not a ton of bad weather down there unless there's some hurricane or rainstorm coming in. And, you know, someone even like Travis Etienne is playing very good football. They're rushing the football well, doing a lot of things good on offense. And, again, same with the Chargers. When you look at this Jaguars defense, they have given up a ton of points over the last four weeks, uh, losing 40-14 to 14 to the Lions. Last week they ended up beating the Cowboys, but that game I believe went over 60 points as well. So it's not a team that's exactly holding opponents down either. And again, when you're having very good quarterback play, like what Trevor Lawrence has been doing, I think you can hit a lot of overs because of that. Well, we talked about some over teams. What about under teams over the backstretch of this NFL campaign? Which teams are going to continue or going to start getting stops? I mean, you know, the classic under recipe, bad offense, good defense. Who are we going to look at? Uh, Obviously, Denver is a team that's cashed a whole lot of unders uh, this year. They're not the only uh, team that's traded under in the NFL. The Giants have been a strong under team. The Bengals have been a strong under team. The Titans have been a strong under team. The Jets, the Commanders, all teams with five overs or less. Buffalo has been a surprising under team. And Denver, more than anyone else, along with the L.A. Rams and the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we've seen a lot. I mean, all of these teams, again, five overs or less for the entire season so far. Is it one of these teams we're looking at or somebody else for an under team down the stretch? No, so, Teddy, it's actually a different team here, and I'm going to go back to the Cleveland Browns, who I talked about earlier. You know, the Browns are 6-7 and seven to the under this season, 4-3 and three to the over at home, and 2-4 and four to the under on the road. The Browns close out the season at home against the Saints, which is an outdoor stadium, on the road against the Commanders, outdoor stadium, and on the road once again against the Steelers, another outdoor stadium. So, again, this is the time of year where I really start to factor in the weather and where teams are playing and what type of defense they're playing as well. You know, you look at teams like the Saints, like the Commanders, like the Steelers. They generally have an upper half uh, defensive front four, uh, teams that are generally better at stopping the run, holding teams down, and keeping teams to under 20 points. You know, I look at this Cleveland Browns team, and they're a team that is made for the outdoors on top of that. They love to run the football with Nick Chubb that runs the clock, that controls the clock on top of that. And at this point in time, the Cleveland Browns defense has definitely picked up their play as well. In the last four games, three of the games have gone under 20 points, and their last two games against the Bengals and Ravens have gone under as well. You know, and one thing I'll add on top of that, again, two outdoor stadiums. So because of that, I really do like to target teams and unders who play in outdoor stadiums are subject to bad weather on top of that. So for me, once again, it's the Cleveland Browns with unders to end the season. Sure, and of course, anytime you're talking about unders and potential bad weather games at this stage of the season, those are games in general. You want to get to the betting window with relatively early. The markets move quickly on weather information. Oftentimes, they'll move early in the week. So to get the best of the number, don't be shy about making your wages earlier. And really, it's an interesting scenario for this time of the year. We talk about pros versus Joes in all kinds of different ways. And this is one week of the year where the Joes have a chance to bet like the pros. A lot of people have time off from work. You know, you're not working nine to five on Christmas. And what do guys that do this for a living do differently? 
Well, one big factor is you bet a lot early in the week. <laughs> you have your, you know, I mean, not something you want to do if you're drinking. If you're drinking eggnog, this is not <laughs> something you want to get involved with. But if, as long as you're sober and looking to bet seriously over the holidays, this is a time of year where it's very reasonable to be making bets on a daily basis, and it's also very reasonable to be looking at the NFL throughout the course of the week, not just in the hours for kickoff like so many recreational bettors do. We've got much more with Moneyline Matt coming up after this. I'm going to get his final four in the NFL and a long shot to look at. Stay tuned. Cover it. Continue. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't miss anything from our programming. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay informed all day long with clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore covers, and you can follow today's guest, Moneyline Matt. On Twitter at Moneyline Matt, which makes it very easy to find him at Moneyline Matt on Twitter. Matt, before the break, we were doing some talking about some over teams, some under teams, some bet on, some bet against. Let's forget the theory and let's go to the practice. That being said, I do want to ask one more theory question because it mm-hmm. matters. What does an experienced better know about this time of the year? We're talking about the holiday season the last couple of weeks of the NFL, what is the better that has been doing this for a while know that a newbie might not know yet? What advice would you give? Yeah, so two things come to mind when you ask that question, Teddy, and I believe it's kind of what we talked about before in tracking the weather and how it coincides with outdoor stadiums and how teams are made up. For that weather you know there are definitely some teams in the nfl that are more made for outdoor weather for snow rain bad conditions you know again teams like the cleveland browns and i even bring up last year's game when the new england patriots and buffalo bills faced off in that crazy windy game you know in that matchup i felt like the new england patriots were the team more suited for those outdoor conditions because they love to run the football they love to play solid defense and again just control that clock so again understanding the weather and how the team stylistic makes that make up also factors into that because again some teams are more made up for that weather and you know and like you said earlier getting the line early before it moves because of the weather news i even bring up the thursday night football game with the jets and the jaguars i got the total the first half total under at 20 uh, earlier on tuesday and now it's been driven down to 18 and a half or 18 depending on those books so got some nice closing line value there and we'll see what happens but another point that i want to bring up and this is something that me and you have talked about on the show many times and it's the teams who are the best in the trenches going down the stretch of the season and what i mean by that is having a very good offensive line and where you can run the football and you can pass protect and then having a defensive line that can rush the quarterback when you when you rush only four players 
where it's just your down lineman and you can play coverage behind it. And the teams that come to mind with that are definitely the Philadelphia Eagles, which again, we discussed that on previous episodes, how they have one of the best offensive lines in the league and one of the best defensive lines in the league. And then again, the San Francisco 49ers. You know, that's a team that has the ability to rush the football. They have the ability to rush four down linemen with guys like Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. And again, that's why I target those teams going into the playoffs because teams like that are also often weatherproof. Because once again, in bad weather, you want to have the ability to rush the football. You want to have the ability to punt the football away and rely on your defense to make stops, to get after the quarterback. And again, I bring up the Eagles and the 49ers because these are the top two teams in the NFL, in my personal opinion. And a lot of it has to do with their ability to get after the quarterback. You know, even the Philadelphia Eagles, they have like five players who have six or more sacks and two players who have 10 or more. So down the stretch of the season, if you can get to the quarterback while only rushing four guys, that is a huge advantage because not many teams can do that. Many teams have to bring additional players to try and bring pressure, to try and get stops, to try and force mistakes. And the teams that don't have to do that are generally the ones who advance and make it to the Super Bowl down the stretch. So Philly and San Fran is two teams that stand out to you with that strong OLDL combo. I'm curious why Dallas isn't on that list. Because I look at Dallas as a team that's, you know, their defense is – the defense was good enough to go four and one with Cooper Rush behind center, uh, and the offense has been very capable, regardless uh, in terms of the ability to pass, protect, ability to open up holes for the running yeah. backs. Um, is there a reason you have Philly and San Fran graded out higher than, let's say, Dallas or Buffalo uh, team or Kansas City? Uh, all teams that, in my mind, are strong in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Yeah, so if I'm being honest, Eddie, the reason I leave out Dallas is probably because they bit me in the ass so many times in the past, and mm-hmm. they're just kind of a prove-it team for me now. Like, I need them to go out and, and prove it to me. After last year when they went out laid that egg against San Francisco in the playoffs, I was really high on Dallas that year. I, I got to admit it. And now – it's just kind of one of those situations where I think they need to go out and prove it to me. It's more about, I think, Dak Prescott, I guess, at this point in time than anyone else. And I know that sounds weird when you have Brock Purdy or Jimmy Garoppolo leading the 49ers. But for me, in my personal opinion, I actually have more trust in those guys. And I have more trust in that defense at that point in time. And I also think they have better coaching. So that's another thing that I want to add in. Um, I really do respect the coaching of guys like Nick Sirianni, um, and Kyle Shanahan, you know, I think they, I think they change a lot of things offensively and put their best skill position players in opportunities to succeed. So that's also why I like them as well. Um, again, though, I think a lot of it does have to do with Dallas uh, biting me in the ass last year. So um, that's probably why I like San Fran and Eagles as well. Sure, and of course, uh, from a coordinator standpoint, Dan Quinn for Dallas. I mean, again, he's a guy that got Atlanta the Super Bowl. Uh, they mm-hmm. never made one before since he got there. He'll be a head coach somewhere again in the not-too-distant future. But Quinn, as a D.C., has impressed the heck out of me this season. So you talked about Philly and San Fran. I'm going to ask you about your final four now, two for the AFC, two for the NFC. Who's going to meet in the championship game? Is it Philly and San Fran going to meet in the NFC? And who's going to meet in the AFC? Yes, sir. You're dead on with the NFC. My pick for the NFC is the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. 
As for the AFC, I have it a little different, actually. I have the Kansas City Chiefs going against the Cincinnati Bengals. And obviously, this depends on, like, playoff makeup, playoff path, things of that nature. But for me personally, I'm, I'm not someone who's that impressed with the AFC. And I look at all these AFC teams, and I'll include the Chiefs, I'll include the Bills, and obviously the Bengals are there as well. But I look at these teams, and I personally think that they all have holes that teams can ex- exploit in the playoffs or that they can get beaten by an underdog. And that's why I'm looking at the Cincinnati Bengals at this point in time pretty heavy. They were plus 1,200 last week to go to the Super Bowl. Now they're right around plus 800. So definitely improve. Uh, the odds have gone down for them uh, because of their last week's victory on top of that. But, you know, another thing, too, is it's Joe Burrow. Like, I really, really do love what Joe Burrow does. I think he's a quarterback who loves moments like that in the playoffs. I think he's one of those guys where you can have trust in him in the fourth quarter when your team is down. And, you know, with the Chiefs, I obviously include Patrick Mahomes in there. Um, I still think he's the most influential player throughout the entire NFL, and he's someone that, you know, it's tough to bet against that guy. You know, it really, really is. But if there was a team to do it, I think it would be the Cincinnati Bengals once again. I think in the playoffs, they're a very tough team, skilled position-wise. They're very, very tough to match up against. Uh, Their defense definitely needs some work, and I think they need to get to the quarterback a little more in terms of getting sacked and protecting Joe Burrow on top of that. But once again, you know, Joe is one of those guys who's been able to make plays with his legs. Uh, not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl again, but I do like them to potentially make a run and go to the AFC Championship. And then again, with the NFC, it's, it's tough for me. If there was a team to beat either Philadelphia or the San Francisco 49ers, I'm with you. I think it's Dallas. But for me personally, and, you know, San Francisco was my pick at the beginning of the season to win the Super Bowl. So once you've kind of gone this far, you might as well keep riding it. And, you know, with San Francisco, I really do love how they look. I I love that defense right now. I love that front four. In my eyes, Nick Bosa is the defensive player of the year. Very influential. He's someone who can get to the quarterback, make that game-changing play with a strip sack or something along those lines. And, you know, with like someone like Hassan Reddick with, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles as well. He's a very tough matchup, and they got someone like Javon Hargrave, who also has 10 stacks from the defensive tackle position, I might add as well. So that's a very unique like wrinkle in a defense that if you have a defensive tackle who can also rush the quarterback and get 10 sacks, that's, that's a lot to game plan for. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles are a very tough matchup on top of that for everyone. Uh, obviously, Jalen Hurts needs to be healthy i i personally think in in my eyes at least if he was healthy at this point in time and was able to finish the season i think he was actually going to be the mvp with how this philadelphia eagles offense has been playing and how this team has completely you know turned around and ended up potentially having the best record throughout the nfl so for me right now it's the chiefs and the Bengals afc 49ers eagles nfc and i know a lot of people are probably thinking what about the buffalo bills And I'm going to be honest with you, I just don't have that faith in Josh Allen once he reaches the playoffs. I think think Patrick Mahomes is better in the playoffs. And I know uh, it's been a short sample size with Joe Burrow, but I actually have more trust in Joe Burrow as well at this point in time. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs and the Bengals AFC once again. And it's funny, you said it's really tough to bet against Patrick Mahomes. And the betting markets think that too. And that's why Kansas City out of 32 NFL teams this year, ranks number 32 in ATS success tied with Tampa Bay. 
Three point mm-hmm. spread covers the entire season so far for the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. Three. So if you've been betting against Patrick Mahomes every week, it's tough to bet against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> if you've been betting yeah, against Patrick Mahomes every week, you made a fortune this season. If you did it last year, you made a fortune last year too. Um, speaking of making a fortune, last question I'm going to ask you. Give me a longer shot that's live to make a playoff run. Who can we make a fortune with if they win a couple of playoff games? All right, Teddy. So I got a medium one for you, and I got that long, long dark horse shot everyone's looking for. For me, the medium, the medium team plus 800 Cincinnati Bengals, once again. I think the AFC is a softer road to the Super Bowl than that of the NFC. And because of that, I think the Bengals have a lot of potential to – to go out and make a run, you know, uh, I think they match up well against that Bills team. I think they match up well against that Chiefs team. And those are two spots where I could see it going either way. And because of that, with that plus 800 price tag, I think that's pretty good for a Cincinnati Bengals team that made the Super Bowl last year and can potentially do it again. But for that dark horse squad that everyone is looking for, for me, it's the hometown squad, Detroit Lions, at plus 5,500. You know, the Detroit Lions are currently the hottest team in football and also have one of the best offensive lines in all of football, and their defense has steadily been improving every single week. You know, on top of that offensive line, you look at the skilled position players with DeAndre Swift, with Jamal Williams on the outside. You have DJ Chark on the inside, Amon Ross St. Brown. And then you have Jamison Williams, who's coming on from Alabama, absolute burner on the outside. And when you have someone who can take the top off the defense like that, it really does help for guys like DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, who are sitting down in those zones and making plays after the catch. You know, Jared Goff has always been a worry of mine, but I will say he has been playing good football this year. He's been taking care of the football. Does he have that that arm who can take the top off the defense? No, not exactly, but that is somewhat rare in the NFL nowadays. And once again, with this Detroit Lions team, I think they're the hottest team in football, and that's one of my rules of thumb is taking the hottest team coming into the playoffs. It makes me think about the old-school Giants team or the Nick Foles-led Philadelphia Eagles team. Those were teams that... Moneyline Matt, you're running out of time, my friend. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. You can track him at Moneyline Matt on Twitter. You can find his picks over at SportsMemo.com. Free play from me when we return. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, first and foremost, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. I hope you are enjoying your weekend. I hope you're enjoying some time with friends and family. And I hope your wagers are going well as well. That's the most important thing this holiday weekend. It's also important to let you know if you missed any portion of today's program, you want to go back and hear yesterday's bowl show, loaded bowl show yesterday, tons of great info with Ralph Michaels. Download the podcast version of Cover It With Teddy Covers and consume it at your own convenience. Wherever you download your podcast, major podcast outlets, minor podcast outlets, just search Cover It. Cover It with Teddy Covers. You can download it. Every show I've ever done available for download. You can hear all the bad predictions I've ever made and maybe some of the good ones. And again, great bowl analysis 
for this week from Ralph Michaels, Donald the podcast version, and check it out. I'm going to give you a bettable opinion for today, Sunday, on Christmas. That would be the Miami Dolphins. Minus three and a half, minus four against Green Bay. I know it's must win for the Packers. The Packers aren't any good. <laughs> All right. Yes, they've beaten the Bears and the Rams the last two weeks to survive and advance. But neither one of them with anything resembling an impressive victory, neither one of them made me feel confident that they're going to be able to step in front of Miami. And this is a Dolphins team that just lost three in a row. They had the bad road trip out west against the 49ers and the Chargers. They came back last week, gave Buffalo everything they could handle. Came up a little bit short in that game. It's circle the wagons time for the superior of these two squads. I want Tua, not Rodgers. I'll take Miami minus the points against Green Bay right here on Christmas Day. And that's going to wrap it for the week with Cover It. Uh, here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. I want to thank Moneyline Matt for joining me. Lots of strong opinions, great information. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day. And even on a holiday, taking time out of your day to listen to me right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Enjoy the games and good luck.